I want to mention before I uh, have prayer and then get into the sermon that uh, a book that uh, has helped me uh, really a great deal in putting this message together is uh, a book by uh, Sinclair Ferguson. It's uh, one of his earlier books, I think. It's been out for a while. And it's entitled, Know Your Christian Life. Know Your Christian Life, Sinclair Ferguson. One of the chapters in this book, once again, is uh, helping me greatly. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are uh, now going into your word. And we pray that uh, you would uh, help us that uh, you would uh, just come and be in charge, be in control, so that we uh, properly understand your word and uh, we properly sit and listen and with our hearts respond to your word. Uh, Heavenly Father, may, uh, may we come and uh, May we honor you. May we not toss this time aside. May we not be disrespectful, disgraceful to you. But may we take this treasure of your word and uh, by your grace have it come into our lives uh, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Repentance. This is the uh, subject I would like us to consider this morning, the biblical doctrine of repentance. Mark, in his gospel, lets us know that part of the primary message of our Lord Jesus when he was here on earth was uh, repent. Uh, chapter 1, verse 15, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Matthew, in his gospel, also tells us that repentance was part of what our Lord Jesus preached from the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Today, with some help from the parable of the prodigal son, we are going to take up these three points about repentance. Number one, the elements in repentance, or what is involved in true repentance according to the Bible. Number two, the signs of repentance, or what is the evidence that a person is repenting? And then number three, the scope of repentance, or what is the extent in one's life of repentance? Repent is one of the two items we must do to be forgiven of our sins and made eternally right with God. The other item, of course, is to believe. 
uh, to put our trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. In reference to repentance, let's first think about what is involved in true repentance. What are the different elements in it? There are several. A, there is the element of shame, a sense of shame for our sin. We don't have a smugness about our sin. We have a sense of shame. We come to see that our, that our sin has degraded us, but more important, more important than that, we come to see that our sin has offended and disgraced God, and we are ashamed. In the parable of the prodigal son, we read that the younger son set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living. He spent everything, and then he hired himself out to feed pigs. Even though our story doesn't come right out and say this to us, it's easy to imagine that the younger son became filled at one point with a deep sense of shame for his actions. At a certain point in his life, he began, if you will, to blush. There is the element of shame for our sin. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God is speaking to the Israelites about repentance. And he says to them in verse 31, Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins. Shame for our sin. B, shame leads to humility. When God works true repentance in our hearts, our mouths become shut, meaning we do not try to justify our sin any longer. We do not seek to excuse ourselves. We confess our guilt to God and are humbled before him. Somebody has written, the human being, with all of his inheritance from Adam, is incurably addicted to making excuses. He goes on, this was forcibly brought home to me by a news item from Vancouver, British Columbia. A man was sentenced to jail for one year for breaking into a cafe in the middle of the night. He was caught red-handed inside the cafe with the cash register open. Nevertheless, he protested his innocence in court. And even when he was sentenced, he departed for jail claiming that he was the victim of circumstances. In true repentance, we confess our guilt to God. 
we cease to make excuses and we humble ourselves before him. The prodigal son, when he went back to his father, do you remember the words that he used when he did go back? Luke 15, verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Humility. See, humbled sorrow then fills our heart. A fellow Christian, I know, fell into sin. One of the things about him and his sin was his deep sorrow over it. He literally wept because of it. His heart was broken. One of the words in the Old Testament for repentance expresses this sense of sorrow. And one of the words in the New Testament for repentance means to regret. Sinclair Ferguson, it is both natural and necessary that we should long that what has been might not have been that we should grieve and mourn over the evil we have done to God, to others, and to ourselves. Sorrow fills our heart. David has written in Psalm 51, verse 17, his psalm of repentance. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Joel 2, when God was calling his people back to himself through the Old Testament prophet Joel, he said to them, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Before we go any further with our elements of repentance, allow me to ask you, are you truly sorry for your sins? Are you ashamed and humbled and do you regret that you have sinned against God, do you have a broken and contrite heart in reference to your sins and the Lord God? Two more elements. D. Repentance also involves a distaste of our sin. In Romans 12, verse 9, the Apostle Paul tells the Roman Christians to hate he says to hate what is evil. The word hate there means to abhor, to abhor what is evil. It carries the idea of being sickened toward. In repentance, we have tasted the real nature of our sin and it sickens us. 
We have seen it as it really is, and it is ugly. To use David again, Psalm 51, verses 3 through 5. I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You'll remember from the parable of the prodigal son that when the younger son realized his condition, his awful condition, he no doubt said with disgust, in reference to what was taking place. Here I am, starving to death. Repentance also entails an abhorrence of our sin. And then E, repentance includes returning to God. John Calvin, repentance is the true turning of our life to God, a turning that arises from a pure and earnest fear of him. When the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son came to his senses, he said, I will set out and go back to my father. So he got up and went to his father. The heart, the very center of repentance is returning to God, turning from our sins, turning from committing our sins to the Lord God. It is leaving our wayward path of life, being done with it, being quit with it, and coming into a life ruled by God, turning to God. One of the questions in our Westminster Shorter Catechism is, and we looked at this earlier, what is repentance unto life? The answer that it gives in part is this. Repentance unto life is a saving grace you know, there's that idea once again that in order to be saved, we need to go with our faith in, in repentance to the Lord Jesus. It's a saving grace whereby a sinner with grief and hatred of his sin turns from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. And so to review the first point, Repentance is where we are ashamed of our sin and we are humbled by it and we are filled with sorrow over it and we abhor it all to the point of changing our direction. We get up and we go to the Lord God. Allow me to ask you uh, yet again, uh, have you repented of your sins? You are a sinner, 
You are a great sinner. You have lived a life of disobedience. Have you humbled yourself and turned from your sins unto God, asking Jesus Christ for forgiveness? Repentance is a necessary condition for salvation. When a person truly repents of his or her sins, that person manifests or, or gives evidence of his or her repentance. As John the Baptist put it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John the Baptist was saying if there really is repentance present, there will be fruit that comes out of that, showing it to be so. So point two, what are, what are the signs that accompany repentance? A, one sign is a changed life. If we have repented, then we will show. Once we were like that, but now we are like this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Ephesians 5 verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. There will be the evidence of a changed life a different life, a life that's set on the Lord God. The Apostle Paul, at a point in his life, repented of his sins, of his hostility, of his hatred, of his sins against the Lord Jesus. How, though, do we know that his repentance was real? Through his changed Life. Acts chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners? To the chief priests, they were astonished at his change. The younger son in the parable of the prodigal son showed that he had repented by leaving that distant country, going home, and I think it's safe to say never again, wasting his life in wild living. When we repent, we change. Let's get down to some, some particular sins to make sure we understand what we're talking about here with repentance. Have you repented of your dislike of that person at work, of that person in your neighborhood, have you repented of your dislike of that person 
at your school, here at church. If you have, then you now have love, a measure of love for that person. Have you repented of your jealousy of another person? Then you are now glad for that person. Have you repented of your covetousness? Then you are now content with what the Lord has given you. Have you repented of your staying out of God's word? Staying away from God's house, not identifying with God's house. Then you are now reading God's word, attending his servants, and very much a part of one of God's households. When we repent, we change. Perhaps we can explain this first sign just a little more through these two additional signs. Repentance shows itself with B, a rejection of godlessness, and C, an acceptance of godliness. Rejection of godlessness and acceptance of godliness. We live a no to that which displeases God and a yes to that which pleases him. Isaiah 1, verses 16 and 17. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. We stop that which is wrong. We do that which is right. I was at a meeting. We were dealing with a person who had been doing wrong. And as we talked to this person, this person went on to say that he or she had repented, that he or she had repented of the wrong he or she had been doing. One of the elders at that meeting wisely and correctly said to this person, that means then that you have stopped doing this thing that we are talking about? You have ceased in reference to that? True repentance is also proven by stopping that which is wrong and doing that which is right. And then D, repentance is proven by, well, Remember with me Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. In other words, Repentance is also proven by making reparation and restoration for past sin whenever possible. I think it would be good 
if I asked again. My friends, have you repented of your sins? Have you truly turned from them with sorrow, with grief, with hatred unto God, asking Jesus Christ to forgive you and save you? Do you see that there's evidence? You have changed in reference to your sin. I want you to know from Isaiah chapter 1 that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool if you will repent of them and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last of all this morning, point three, let's briefly take up the extent of repentance. Not too long ago, our senior pastor, Jared, reminded us that when Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Church in 1517, thus starting the Reformation, the very first one of those 95, the very first one went like this. Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, in saying repent, intended that the whole of the life of believers should be repentance. What Martin Luther was getting at is this. It's a mistake to think that we repent only once at the beginning of the Christian life. Repentance is something that we continue to do throughout the Christian life. There is a start to repentance at our conversion, but that is only the start. That is only the seed, if you will. We go on with deeper and new repentance in reference to our lives. Our Lord intended that the whole of the life of believers should be repentance. Sinclair Ferguson, just as we continue to trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord, we continue in the life of repentance. We must not lose sight of this lifelong dimension in repentance. And so if you will repent of your sins, then know that you are to continue to do so. It's not just a sudden and momentary thing, it's an ongoing thing. And if you have repented of your sins, then know you are to be continuing in reference to that. You're to be growing in and deepening your turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why have I preached this message of repentance today? What do I want you to do? I have two answers. 
Number one, if you have never repented, I want you to repent. I want you to ask God for his grace, which will enable you to repent and trust in Christ and be saved. I've told you about repentance because that's in the Bible. And that's something that God wants us to know about. And he wants us to understand. And it's something that he actually commands us to do. And so I've told you so that you, by God's grace, will repent. But pastor, as I've listened, and as I've thought about my life, my life of sin, my, my life of disobedience, God would never forgive me. It's just been impressed upon me how, how disobedient I've been. God would never forgive me. Let, me. let me remind us of the hymn writer John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. John Newton was a hardened slave trader. He lived a wretched life. He was an infidel to God. He was a libertine. He long labored to destroy the Christian faith. His mouth was as filthy as his slave ships. And I remind us that the Bible says that it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So his heart was as filthy as his slave ships. He called himself a wretch. But by God's grace, he took his sins to the Lord Jesus. He, he turned to God with grief and hatred of his sins. He put his trust in the Lord Jesus and he was forgiven and he was saved. And he went on to become a faithful and loving pastor who preached the faith and who wrote many wonderful hymns of praise like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I want you to call out to God, to ask for his mercy, to ask him to lead you in repentance and faith. Pastor, by God's grace, I, I have repented. Well, then number two, as John Newton also did, I want you to live a life of repentance, to go on in your repentance and to deepen it. I want you to turn from sin whenever you sin, and I want you to repent in greater and greater depth. I want you to go on. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do, so many do, take sin so lightly. And perhaps we have fallen into the idea that there's uh, no big thing about sinning. But Heavenly Father, you tell us that uh, our sins keep us from you. And if we don't repent and believe, then we will perish. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for telling us and thank you for instructing us in reference to repentance and faith. And now, Heavenly Father, please, for those who are apart from you, please work in their lives and give them a sorrow, a godly sorrow for their sins and enable them to turn to you and to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior. And Heavenly Father, for those of us who have been so blessed by you that we are yours, please help us every day to live lives of repentance. Truly sorry when we disobey you, coming to you, asking you for forgiveness, asking you to right the wrong in our lives and, and asking you to go on with us. Help us to live lives of repentance. In Jesus' name, amen.